Welcome back to Missing. I am Tim here today with Lance. Lance, how are you today? Feeling pretty good, Tim. Feeling pretty good. We had a uh, late night interview last night because the uh, clock just never stops over here at Crawl Space Media. And I can't wait to get to this interview. But Tim, you look refreshed. Looks like you got some sleep after that late night interview. How are, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks a lot for asking. Yeah, we did have a, a wonderful conversation with John Fariso, who has been on these airwaves previously, speaking about some missing persons cases. He volunteers his time for private investigations for the missing. Of course, that is the nonprofit that we're on the board of that was founded by Bruce Maitland. And you can find out more information about what they do at investigationsforthemissing.org. And John Fariso is a retired NYPD detective, and he was working in the missing persons unit for the NYPD for many years. And so PIs for the Missing is lucky to have him. And in this conversation, we are joined by missing person Janice LaPlante's daughter, Tracy, for this conversation about her mom, Janice LaPlante, and her disappearance. And also, you can check out Tracy on TikTok. It's at Trey Shea Official. There's a link in the show notes, but it's T-R-A-E-S-H-A-I dot official on TikTok. Show her some support over there. She's doing a great job mobilizing support by way of that social media platform and could really use all the help that is available. And this conversation is fascinating and powerful on so many levels. One, you mentioned private investigations for the missing and how John works with them, works within that organization. And I love, one, being on the board of this nonprofit and seeing the inner workings and two, showing those inner workings to the listeners and showing how this is happening in real time where someone like Tracy can reach out to the organization she can get her mother's story on the podcast, which is great media coverage, but she's also right there with John. I mean, they're on the Zoom, but she's working right there in tandem with John as he's giving her advice on how to handle law enforcement in that area, next steps, how to be diplomatic, be patient, but he's also very compassionate. And he is more than willing to reach out on her behalf and just work with her on any level to get some answers for her mom. So I just... Really, really love the fact that we're able to do that, show the listeners that this does work when it comes together, and that's where you get answers. And if people support folks like Tracy in her attempts to find her mom, we'll have the GoFundMe link in the show notes, then answers can happen and she can move on and, and perhaps advocate for another missing person or, or another family member. Absolutely. And Janice LaPlante went missing on July 25th, 2011 from Lincoln, Alabama. She was 49 years old at the time of her disappearance. She'd be 60 years old today, between 5'3 and 5'6 and about 110 to 115 pounds. And if you have any information, you can call the Lincoln Police Department at 205-763-7777. And additionally, if anybody wants to submit a tip to Investigations for the Missing, you can go to investigationsforthemissing.org and you can email them piftmtips at gmail.com or you can call 866-331-6660. And follow us on social media at MissingCSM. Thanks a lot for listening.
This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the podcast, Tracy and John. How are you both doing this evening? Good. How are you doing? Doing very well. We're doing fantastic. Uh, It is evening. Tim said thank you for joining us this evening. So we are stepping out of our usual comfort zone of mid-afternoon interviews and uh, doing this uh, evening one. So thank you very much for accommodating on that end. Before we get into the episode itself... uh, John, you've been on the show before, and yes. and we've spoken, and you work with our nonprofit now, Private Investigations for the Missing. I feel like you need some sort of intro name, not a nickname so much, but like something like Officer John or something like that. Like I feel like we need to work on it. So just before the next time, just shoot us an email with some suggestions. All right, I will. Uh, my detectives that worked for me in the NYPD had an interesting name for me. It was funny, but I don't want to... I don't want to keep it going, so it can't be that one. I'll think of one. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you both for joining us here tonight. And um, we are going to be speaking about Tracy's mom, and that's Janice LaPlante. And Tracy, how how are you doing? Um, I'm okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's always a loaded question, I feel like. Like, should people ask that question and, like, really want to know, or are they just being like, hey, are you okay? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> But no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Well, I, no, I do understand. I mean, um, a lot, a lot of these conversations we have are, uh, you know, we're we're talking about, you know, important moments in people's lives and uh, tragic moments uh, as well. So, um, I guess in the context of of your mom being missing, uh, how are you? Um, I'm trying really hard to be strong throughout all of it, and I'm trying really hard to advocate for her and to bring some sort of justice for her because it's just something that you know it just weighs on my heart every day and I don't know it makes me sad but it also makes me feel like I have to turn that sadness into strength to be the voice for her since she doesn't have a voice or you know we may not you know we don't know I I just have to commend you on the answer the honest answer of how you are because most people just do say well I'm okay but there, there are so many like different levels to that answer, and there's so many like contexts that you can, I guess, apply that answer to. So just good on you for answering that honest, honestly, because it's not easy. Like this, the the shit we talk about here is not easy. So yeah, and and I think that really needs to resonate with listeners that these people uh, in your position yourself and other people in your position are in pain and they need help. They need their voices to be heard and they need to know they, that people know that they're not always okay. So yeah, 
Yeah. For so sure. it, good, good, good on you for that. And before we get into the story of your mom, how did it come to be that that you got connected with John? Oh, through uh, I was on another podcast, the Fall Line podcast, and they gave me some information about different numbers to reach out to to access some sort of help and. I think it came through that way. I don't remember quite well, but I think that's about how it came through, I think. And we started emailing each other back and forth and stuff like that. Just have, you know, I've been trying to keep in touch with him with whatever information I get or anything like that. I believe um, Full Line Podcast contacted private investigators for the missing to do some work on this and have a private investigator assigned to it. That's what I believe on how they handled that situation. Yeah, what he said. And uh, John, how long have you been working on the case? This is going on about two months now. And what exactly is the process? When somebody comes to you, when you're approached for something like this, uh, we talk about it a lot when we are referencing private investigations for the missing, that cases are submitted to us, typically through email, and then we feature them on the show. But people were really interested in like the inner workings of the process when you first hear about somebody and then what's your next step. So in this case, what was your next step? And then how do you vet out the ones that are going to be investigated, featured, etc.? Well, this case came a little differently than most because it came from another podcast. So most of them don't come that way. So there was a lot of information from that podcast. So how I start is I go right to the podcast. What they'll do is they'll give me all the information. So they gave me all Tracy's information, all her, her missing mom's information, whatever mission information they have at the time, they'll give it to me. And I start right, go right to the podcast because uh, there's a wealth of information from that podcast. So I listen to the entire podcast. I take my notes and I begin from there. And that's my basis for the very beginning of my investigation, which is, uh, all online and phone calls at that point because we're dealing with two different states we're dealing with mississippi and i'm in new york so what i what i do is i first get information i can and then i'll contact the the person who reported it which would be tracy this time so i wait i do this on every case i wait to call the person which is usually a child or a, a, a sister or a brother who reports it so when I called Tracy, I, I had a bunch of questions. And like I always do, I, you know, I ask them for honesty and I ask them that these questions are difficult. They're not easy. I have to ask difficult questions. And uh, she understood. And uh, we, we, we spoke well and it was a very good interview. She gave me a lot of information that as an investigator, you have to ask direct questions that maybe a podcast doesn't always do. But as an investigator, you will do. And every piece of information I get can take you into another part of the investigation. So there's a lot going on with other family members and other people to contact, but that's not always something we can do or can be done. But those questions always have to be asked of the person reporting it. And once all that information is obtained that you can obtain, you start making phone calls to other people. And th th there was a lot of, because of the circumstances of this case, it it's, it seems like it's still an active investigation. So I contacted the Alabama, Lincoln County, Alabama investigators. They didn't get back to me. So I missed a big part of the interview process in that. And um, all I could do is make the attempt and they didn't get back to me. But there was, uh, Tracy could explain this. There was another aspect to this case that 
didn't give results, but it needs to be spoken about, which was the uh, the Doe Network had a companion case. And I looked that case up online and a lot of times family members will ask me, this person looks like my deceased. They look like my deceased. The, the information is close. And a lot of times it's not, but this time it was. And it, DNA needed to be taken on that because that's how close the match looked. And anyone who looks at those two cases can see the match. Unfortunately, it wasn't a match and maybe somebody else will get closure out of that. And I was able to network a lot with the Emmys. It was, I believe it was Knoxville, Tennessee. Yeah. And they had a Jane Doe in Knoxville, Tennessee, same age, same height, same race, right around the same time. And even down, I believe, to the hair color, but Tracy could explain it a little more. And uh, they were very helpful. And uh, I learned a lot from my future cases from dealing with the, um, the Knoxville medical examiners. Tracy, this was a, a Jane Doe who looked a lot like your mom. Yeah, I I always randomly like just search my mama's name, just hoping something comes up or anything, you know, maybe there's an obituary somewhere or there's something. And there was a video that popped up on YouTube and um, it was this woman that uh, has like a true crime channel on YouTube and she pulled up the Jane Doe information and compared it to my mom. And when I saw it, I just like my stomach like I mean my heart fell into my stomach like I was like oh my god this is her like they drew like a rendering of this Jane Doe about approximately what she would look like and like this woman looked just like my mama like it was it was crazy and I was just like I, I just knew it was her and then yeah so we went through the whole process of um extracting DNA from her and um I was able to donate my DNA to them and they were able to compare it and it came back that she was not my mom. And I was just, I, I was more shocked that they said she wasn't my mom than, you know, she, if they said she would have been my mom. So I don't know, maybe it's my mom has a twin or something. I don't know, but she, it was, it was crazy. They look so much alike, so much alike. In a situation like that, where you're providing your DNA and you're waiting for an answer, are you, you must be hoping that this is your mom or is there like a pretty significant 50, 50 split? that it's not I think at this point I was just hoping it was her just so mm -hmm. I would be able to give her some sort of peace or you know be able to take the next step and finding some sort of justice for her for whatever happened to her or be an advocate for her still you know no matter what and you're doing a great job being an advocate for uh for anyone left who doesn't know about your mom's disappearance can you fill us in on the circumstances um yeah so one night they were she lives in this apartment complex and they were all having a little get together where everybody was drinking and partying and everything like that well she and another guy walked to the gas station well they were sent to go to the gas station and she did not return back he came back without her and said that she stayed behind to talk to somebody and um he just left her apparently, but they don't even know if she made it to the gas station. They don't know anything like that. And that was the last time she was seen. Supposedly there, she just vanished into thin air. So I don't know. And that guy died like soon after my mama went missing. So I don't even know if they even investigated him or anything like that. Yeah. Really, really frustrating because this isn't a disappearance that we typically cover, which would take place in, you know, the mid eighties late 80s early 90s this was something that happened in 2011 so 
I'm just curious if you were aware of any surveillance footage or, you know, security CCTV footage. Was there anything out there that showed who she stayed behind to talk to or even her like en route? No, I asked the investigator and he just said that they never pulled it or that it re-records over it in like 30 days. I don't remember. He said something about that they didn't have it. So I don't know. I just feel like frustrated (laughs) with, with them, you know, I mean not trying to bash anybody, but I just feel frustrated because I feel like they didn't act enough as soon as this happened, you know? Since 2011, the video surveillance has come a long way. 2011, I would consider a cold case. So there was, um, unfortunately, back then, it's much harder. They they were probably still using VHS tapes to record. Who knows if it recorded? Probably was on 24 hours and that was it. And then it was taped over. That's how the systems were back then. So it's um, back then it is hard to, to obtain video surveillance. Sometimes some of the bigger establishments like a 7-Eleven or a high-end gas station will have better surveillance, but the smaller locations, it's very hard to obtain surveillance from back then. And this man who was with your mom, uh, you mentioned that you're not really sure if he was investigated too much. Did he ever give a statement that you're aware of or anything? I don't know. I honestly don't know if they even had anything to do with him because it seemed like when I had brought his name up to the investigator, she was like, oh, he's already, he already died. So like to me, that was as if they didn't ever investigate him or they were just like, oh, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what they did with him, honestly. Like, I feel like there's so many gaps in my mom's story and in like between what the investigators are saying and what I know and whatever, you know, I, I just feel like there's a lot of holes and like, I've been trying so hard to fill these holes and it's just, I feel like, I don't know. It's just frustrating. Real quick. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned how old you were when your mom disappeared. Um, I think I was like 23 or 24. Okay. Yeah, I was older. And what was the, uh, family dynamic at the time? Oh God. Okay. So, um, my sister and I, we were taken away from my mom when we were 11 um, and put into foster care. And then we, she lost uh, custody of us. And then she, my sister and I were adopted into a family when we were 14. And then it was a closed adoption. So we couldn't have anything to do with her or anybody else in the family or anything like that. And then um, when we got older, we were able to get in contact with her again and I was a rocky, it was really rocky because, you know, I lived in Texas at the time with my ex-husband and she lived in Alabama and my ex-husband and I were going through a divorce and she told me to come back there to stay with her. So I did, but I discovered that she was um, still using drugs and still living a really hard life and I didn't feel safe there. So I left and went back to Texas and then like two weeks later, I hear this, you know, this old man that she was with calls me and tells me, you know, that they haven't seen her and everything like that. It's just, it was, it's really crazy. Who is the old man that called you? Her boyfriend. His name was Eugene. He lived with her. And as far as like suspects are concerned, was Eugene considered a person of interest? Have there, has there been anybody? They said no. I don't know. They just said it because he's just so old. I don't know. He, you, you were using that as like he was, he's literally an old man, not like her old man, like her boyfriend, but he, he was old. Yeah, he was super old, like 
I mean, he was like 80 something. I guess she would, I don't know. Like, do you want to say like he's her sugar daddy, but he's broke. So I don't know what you would call that. I don't know. Just her old boyfriend. I don't know. It was weird. Okay. And was it, was that the man that she was with when she went missing? Uh, no. Well, yeah, she lived with him when she went missing, but the man that she walked to the store with was a different man. Okay. And did, uh, Eugene give, give statements? Do you speak to authorities or investigators? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. He did. He gave a statement because he was with her. He was there at the apartment, you know, and then they left and he was still there waiting for her to get back and she never returned. And so he was like in a wheelchair and very, very like elderly. I mean, he couldn't do anything for himself really. And she was like taking care of him and giving him his medicine and, you know, everything like that. And he didn't do too well after her. I think he had to go into a nursing home after, after she left, left, disappeared, whatever. So he's the one that contacted you to let you know that your mom, that no one had seen your mom. And how long after the day that she disappeared, did he contact you? Um, it was about two weeks um, after she disappeared. It was about two weeks. What was your next step when you heard that? And then how did you put together your advocacy in the meantime? I called up to the police department and got in touch with the investigators and they really didn't give me much of anything. Like, I mean, we've gone through about like five different investigators, I guess. And they just, I don't know, they just always kind of like blew me off and made me feel really defeated for a long time. I felt defeated until like I discovered TikTok and, um, you know, started trying to use some sort of a platform for my mom on TikTok and um, to get her voice out there. And, you know, I, I feel like I've been trying really hard to do that. And we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors. And now we're back to the program. Let me just step in really quick. This is before we move on. This is a, a classic example of what I spoke about at the other podcast. When you have a missing in one state, an investigator in that state, and a family member reporter in another state. And uh, unfortunately, that's common. And unfortunately, information gets lost. I'm not saying lost what can never be found, but it's just not translating across to the correct people. And uh, the, the state barriers are common. And, um, you know, you got sometimes even different police departments. I, this wasn't the case there, but when you have different states, you have someone has to travel to that state to actually meet the person. So information is somewhere, but it, it didn't get delayed. It seemed that. I don't know for sure, but it's, it's a classic example. I've dealt with this over and over again. Yeah, that totally makes sense. You had mentioned that uh, when you met your mom after you were allowed to meet her, you know, post-adoption, uh, you realized that she was still living a rough life. I think that yes. you said she was still living a rough life. Um, do you think that that has anything to do with, I don't want to say a lack of energy put into her disappearance, but do you think that, yeah, I mean, you're nodding. So that that probably has something to do with like again any energy that is being put forth into trying to locate her right yeah i think so for sure unfortunately i feel like that yeah. happens to a lot of people it's really unfortunate that people's lives are valued on basically you know their choices and decisions and they don't deserve you know to have 
things or they don't deserve to be found or they don't deserve. It's just sad. It makes me so upset. Well, yeah, because people are looking at just the individual. They're looking at the individual who's missing and all they see is this person who lived a rough life, but they don't see that there's daughters and sons and husbands and sisters like there's, there's family that that are not doing that you know they're trying their hardest to find their mom and that is painful and if you're just going to marginalize them and not put energy into it and i'm certainly not saying like uh law enforcement i'm saying you know organizing uh vigils and and doing things like that you know like you're doing a great job on social media getting the word out there getting the following and and making sure that people put your face on her her story you know so they can see the importance there so um again that's just super important uh have you generated anything from that any leads or anything that you've passed off um no not not anything particularly just the one jane doe situation you know thinking that that she may have been my mom you know but um no nothing really i mean there's a few like ideas that i've had you know things that maybe coulda shoulda woulda may have happened you know and things like that but there's nothing concrete or anything you know it's still just so much in the air i guess and how has your experience been um trying to share the spread the word um about your mom's disappearance on social media um it's actually done really good you know i have it's actually gotten a lot of attention and I've talked to a bunch of different podcasts I've talked to a bunch of different you know people that have just made videos about my mom on TikTok or things like that too like I may I've gotten these bracelets that I made to like donate for her GoFundMe and stuff like that to try to raise money you know for if we need the money for billboards or if we need the money for a private investigation whatever we need the money for like that's what I'm trying to raise money for there's been a bunch of people that have donated to it and wear their bracelets and they tell me that they're wearing their bracelets and stuff, you know, in honor of my mom and things like that. So I don't know. I've been trying to do different little things to try and come up with money for her and stuff like that. I feel a reward in this case is um, what is needed. doesn't have to be a big reward. A reward is needed and the reward needs to be advertised where she went missing because that seems like where it happened. There needs to be a billboard um, assigned in Alabama right where it happened. And uh, it's it's cold case, but 11 years, 11 years is not that long. There should be a billboard with a picture. Um, it could be up for extended amount of time. The main thing is to get it up, draw attention. Then there should be some type of a GoFundMe reward. Doesn't even have to be a big reward, just reward. And it needs to be brought attention back. And I'm assuming the Lincoln County investigators have it as an open case, but this billboard and the reward can help to locate the body. And it, even if that could give closure and some answers, that can be done. And it has been done in other cases. So something like that is necessary. And that investigation, which would be the billboard and the reward can still happen while the investigators follow their leads. And if a lead comes in about the actual crime, then it, it needs to be brought to the Lincoln County investigators. And then they can investigate it. But if a lead comes in to locate the body, then that needs to be done also. Something needs to be done. It's been 11 years. It's a cold case. And it's not so cold where everyone has passed away. I know two people have passed away, but it seems like there are other people in town that know something happened because it seemed like the missing happens right at that location. 
Okay, so what do you do in that situation, John, if you think that, or it sounds like you're pretty confident just based on the location that somebody definitely knows what happened, saw what happened. Uh, when do you decide, like, here's what I'm going to do as far as going to interview people down there, like getting boots on the ground? This is where it gets tricky. And, you know, I, w- I spent most of my uh, career in law enforcement. I've only been a private eye for a few years. I personally don't investigate cases that I feel are an active investigation. There are private eyes out there that do that. I personally don't, and um, I, I don't take those cases. But if I speak to the law enforcement and they give me the green light to move forward, then I will do it. But this is not one of those cases because we didn't speak. There are private eyes that will take that case. It's a 50-50 on what should be done on that. But uh, that, that's for um, s- someone in that state to decide. What's the area like uh, where she, where uh, Janice went missing? There, it's um, a lot of woods are out there. It's uh, like the Talladega National Forest. And then we have like, Mount Cheeha out there where there's this big mountain area. Um, it's really a beautiful area out there, but it's really woodsy. There's rivers that you can, a lot of people go fishing and swimming and partying out there. I don't know. It's a nice area, a really nice area. There's a lot of things to do out there if you like to be outside, I guess. When I spoke with Tracy on this and I, I viewed the podcast, I contacted the Knoxville ME, and even though that wasn't the body, I learned a lot of information that they have colleagues in Colorado who have an, it's called the ANDE system, A-N-D-E, and it's a rapid DNA mobilization, which means that they'll take the DNA from the family, and then they'll send the DNA kit, which is a small machine from, they described it directly to the ME to test it to a Jane Doe. And something like this, can be done in this case or another case. So if anything, I've learned a lot that I will use information I've learned from this on, on my future cases. And uh, so, some other bodies can be, you know, missings can be located through this. And, and uh, they, I believe they're active in 19 states right now. And that is the future of missing persons investigations, that, that DNA aspect where the rapid mobilization, because these family members should not wait a long period of time to get the DNA results. It's hard enough for, for the way Tracy had to give that DNA and being that that uh, Jane Doe looks so close. You know, I don't know how long she waited, but it, they say it's rapid. So in the future, rapid DNA is the future of these cases. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that because it just feels like it is an obvious solution or an obvious close to solution as it gets. Uh, you have someone who is a, a family member they have the DNA, you know, they can they can do the the sample against the sample from the dough. And I feel like it's just so obvious. And I feel like we're really behind on it. I feel like we're super behind on making this happen and and just bumping these disappearances, these stories, bumping them up the priority list, getting, you know, start checking them off. I know it feels like it's overwhelming because we hear the stats all the time about how many are unidentified and how many just aren't even registered in any system. So it's just this backlog, and I get it that they're going to have to do some uh, some some legwork to catch things up to a point where it's manageable, but this is just me ranting. I, I just think, like, they could... You can get a lot of volunteers to do this, too. You can get a lot of retired uh, physicians, doctors, uh, anybody in the medical industry. You can you can have them volunteer to do that uh, five hours a week, ten hours a week, if, if it really 
were if there was really a uh, effort put forward but that's honestly me just on a 9 30 p.m soapbox so <laughs> well you're correct exactly on what you said but there is funding involved in that and uh, i'm sure there's red tape also but uh, like i said before this is the future and i believe in our lifetime this this will be streamlined i believe that it, they will look back on it like fingerprints and look back, wow, well, how long I had to wait for the results to come back. Now it comes back automatic or a computer check. I believe that DNA and unidentifies it, it will be much more streamlined in the future. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I like your confidence on that. I believe it's technology and that's one of the things that our technology will progress with. There is funding involved, which is out of my wheelhouse, but there is funding also involved in that. And you do still do, you still deal with state to state, which is common. It's not like uh, NCIS or any of those TV shows. And uh, state to state things people do differently. Right, right. Speaking of state to state, uh, I'd like to go back to the geography question, Tracy. Uh, are you living anywhere close to where your mom disappeared or your... No, I moved to Washington State. You moved to Washington State. Okay. Yeah. And how long were you in that area before well before um before my mama went missing i was in texas with my ex-husband he was in the army and we were stationed out there okay so you actually never lived in um in alabama no i did growing up i lived in alabama i moved away from alabama when i was like 19 but we moved around a lot sorry it's confusing no 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 it's, it's all good i guess i always have a really awkward roundabout way to ask a simple question which is uh how often do you go to alabama to visit friends or look at the you know the scene of the disappearance or anything like that i did you know a few times back when um i lived back in alabama i'd drive up there and um try to see if i could see anything that made sense or maybe if i had some sort of gut feeling about something or somewhere and i don't know i would just go to the places that we would go to when we were younger and everything and just sit there and think about everything i guess what do you think happened to your mom? I think there was foul, foul play involved, and I think that it was someone that she knew. I don't know. I feel like maybe it was could have been drug related or you know something in that area. I don't know. Maybe maybe she overdosed and they didn't know what to do, or maybe they did it on purpose, or I don't know. I just feel maybe there were drugs involved. I mean, that's my only guess. I guess. So where do you go from here? You know, I, th it doesn't feel like there's a lot for you to work off of. No, I don't know. I'm just sitting here waiting to hear back from um, the Central Alabama Crime Stoppers. I've spoken with them and they said that they're um, going to offer up 220 different forms of media for my mom to get her information out there. But they will wait and hear back from the investigator but they haven't heard back from the investigator to get my mom's information, but I sent them the missing person paper uh, poster that I've made for my mama and everything like that. So they said, hopefully that might be enough information that they need to make everything for her. Um, so that that way they can do, you know, social media, they can do news, news outlets, they can do billboards and bulletin boards, you know, everything like that. But um, I asked them what was up with that. And they said, they're waiting for the investigator. So um, I don't know how long that could take. Is that the inf the official uh, investigation they're uh, they're waiting on? Yeah, yeah. And they said that once they're able to do that, that they would be offering a five thousand dollar reward. Great. Or two. 
yeah, which is incredible. And that's awesome. So I'm really hoping that this goes through or there's something that I can do to make it happen. I don't know. I just feel like I'm sitting, sitting here, like, I don't know, like, I don't know what to do. I try to be as proactive about it as I can. And now I'm like, I feel kind of stuck. Yeah, totally. Because at any time, like an hour goes by and you're not doing something, you feel like you should be doing something, but you don't have, I'm guessing you don't have training in law enforcement. Right. So at some point, like it just, what you know to do just isn't there, you know? And I feel like it's good to have a relationship with uh, private investigations for the missing and John, so that maybe you could have some guidance or know that there's some independent organization that is putting some pieces together for you. Um, do you have any call to action for people who follow you on, on social, on TikTok? Like what can the people do for you? I made a petition. I don't know if it's even worth having, but I made a petition trying to get people to sign it, you know, so someone will be able to um, maybe take her case or, you know, maybe get, get eyes out, you know, on her case that maybe could, I don't know, do something more. Maybe something more could be, be done, I guess. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what to do, honestly. More, more can be done. Like I said, it's a cold case, but it's not an ancient case. More could be done. Is there any risk in offering a reward that you're going to get some? Because I know that that's, that's a thing. Like there's a big risk offering reward because you might get some people who are just in it and giving false information. And then you have to take the time to sort through that. Uh, what, what's the thought process behind this not being a risk? For me, I know there is a risk for sure. But I feel like if I don't, jump out there and try to take that risk, then there's also not going to be any type of movement, you know, like you have to look beyond that. And, you know, and all that stuff is temporary, you know, all that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is finding out the truth, finding out where she is, finding out what happened, you know, those are the things that matter. And to me, that matters more than all of this other stuff that possibly could happen, might happen, you know. If you don't mind me asking, Tracy, what is it that you do uh, outside of this? Oh, um, well, I have my own like small business where I make tumblers and cups and t-shirts and stuff like that. And, um, I do that kind of stuff where I make things and sell art and stuff. Is that some of your work behind you? Yeah. This dream catcher. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's a crescent moon. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Thank you. Would you believe it? I made everything from the Dollar Tree. Nice. <laughs> it's a hula hoop and coffee filters. Oh, it's that big? Yeah, it's big. Wow, very cool. Oh, so the moon is coffee filters? Yeah. That's fantastic. Wow. Very creative. And do you have you have an online store? Yeah, I have an Etsy store. I've been trying to set up Shopify, but it's driving me crazy. Don't even yeah. Don't even get us started on merch. <laughs> uh, I can't. <laughs> and we'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks to our sponsors, and now we're back to the program. Well, tell us a little bit about your mom um, personally. What was she like? Um, she had she was really funny. She had a, a really good personality. She always made people laugh. I think that was something that she always liked to do was just try to make people happy. And I think that through her trying to make everybody happy, she kind of lost sense of her happiness and started dealing with the wrong kind of people. But you know, I think that that was her biggest downfall. You know, I think that she. I see now as her, as a person that really just wanted to help people, or I feel like she, she dealt with a lot of mental issues too. And I see now, you know, that she was hurting so much and she didn't know how to 
get help, you know, so she resorted to, you know, taking drugs or to find something that numbed the pain for just a little bit longer, you know, and um, I don't know, she did uh, martial arts and she was really good at martial arts and she would do like uh, karate competitions and stuff like that and she would do really good and I wish that maybe she would have stayed doing that, you know, focused all her energy and talent on that rather than getting so absorbed in a lifestyle that just destroyed her. Yeah, that is really too bad. It's surprising. I think it's important for people to hear this, but, you know, it's surprising to hear somebody with such a um, juxtaposition, I guess, of a lifestyle where she was really good at martial arts, which takes discipline. But then I really liked what you said about, and I liked it in the way that you uh, articulated it, that in her attempt to make people happy, she kind of lost herself in that. Because it it really like put a spotlight on, I think probably uh, uh, the surroundings that she was in. And had she been maybe in a different area with better uh, circle of friends or better people around her, it would have been a different situation and a different, obviously it would have been a different uh, end result or a different result. But that really does speak to like the type of environment that she was in, that people would take from her so much that they wouldn't even see that she was losing herself, only that she was there for their own purposes. Yeah. Yeah. It's sad. It really is. And yeah, really, again, when we started this and you gave the honest answer about how you felt, people have to hear this part, too. Because, again, it really humanizes the individual. And, you know, like there are people out there who probably see their mother or father or sister or somebody in a similar situation and seeing them being lost to to these, you know, other individuals and environments that aren't conducive to a healthy lifestyle. And if they hear you saying these things, it's important for them to recognize that, hey, you know, maybe my mom is going through what I suspected. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I just I don't know, like, when I was younger, I used to get so mad thinking about my mom did drugs and she did all this and this and this. But as I've gotten older, I've tried to open my mind more about everything. And, uh, you know, I want to be open and receptive toward everybody and everybody's feelings, you know, and now I see it as, you know, she was really hurting a lot. She was, you know, and she didn't know what to do, you know, and she had twin little girls, like, you know, and I don't know. I just try to look at it as that point, you know, as, and I feel like I I wish everybody would look at people that way, no matter what they do or what they struggle with or anything. I think it's a really sad world where people, you know, negate people's emotional well-being or their life worth or anything like that. It's crazy. Was your mom tough? Like, could she handle herself? Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah, she she yeah she was a scrapper too. So that probably never helped the situation. Mm-hmm. She popped off at the mouth a lot too. She was feisty. I guess you could call her feisty. And how long did she do uh, the martial arts for, for? I know for sure, probably like five years. But I don't know if she continued doing it after we left or anything like that. But I think it's, honestly, at that point, I think she was so hard gone with drugs and everything that she wasn't into anything. And on the Doe Network, her profile lists uh, some distinguishing marks and features, and it says that she has uh, multiple lung surgeries and, and scars on her back. What, what were the multiple lung surgeries and what were the scars? I mean, were the scars from the lung surgery? 
Yeah, the scars were from the lung, uh, the lung surgeries that she had. I don't know. She her lungs. I remember when I was little, her lungs just um, collapsed. They kept collapsing, and then they had to remove like part of part of a part of a lobe, and then the other part of a lobe of a lung. And she does. She didn't have that many like much left of lung capacity at all. Was she uh, given pain meds? Oh, probably. It was. Yeah, I'm sure probably. I was really little when that happened, but I remember having to take care of her and like take care of her wounds and everything like that. And I just remember being so horrified because they were so huge and I can't imagine. She's young too. Yeah, she was pretty young. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Maybe if she just smoked so much that it caught, you know, caused her lungs to collapse or, or I don't know. Yeah. It might've been a condition she had prior to or just a, a condition she had but i couldn't imagine how much you'd have to smoke for your lungs to collapse that quickly yeah i know i can't i mean i know she used to smoke but i don't remember her smoking like a train right yeah and she was 49 when she disappeared uh yeah i was so young yeah for sure i used to think 35 was really old and now i'm about to be 35 and i'm just like oh my gosh like you know 49 is young, you know, I used to think that would have been so old, you know, when I was younger, but now I look at it, I'm just like, it's so young and, you know, like, how does anybody, like, it just blows my mind how people can just disappear or, you know, vanish or something like that without any kind of trace or anything. Yeah. And it, it, it's crazy because what we had said previous to this is that she was in a public place and it's, it's not like she was a, a toddler or an adolescent who didn't have the amount of defenses that your mom could have put up to save herself. So something there there's, I, I just feel like there's probably a few people who know exactly what happened. They just, you know, they haven't said anything so far. So why say it now? Because they've gotten away with it so far. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I have some theories about what I think might have happened, but I don't know. Like it may just be my assumptions or my imagination or something. I don't know. But there's a few things that I feel like may have happened to her and stuff. Did you share those thoughts with John? Yeah, we've spoken about some of the things um, that I think may have happened. And what do you think, John? Well, it's more important that she speaks what she suspects and her gut feelings with the, uh, with the investigators who can go out there and do those interviews in, in the state and who have the resources to do that. Um, they hopefully, I don't know their investigation, hopefully they've already done what she feels needs to be done. And, and her assumptions are as an investigator, I would do. So I'm assuming they did it. We never know. But um, if she talks to them directly and gets an answer from them, then she'll know if it was uh, done. And these angles of this investigation were looked at. You know, two people are deceased, so those two angles are finished. Somebody needs to speak. Could be a person who witnessed something a long time ago. You know, somebody needs to speak, even a little part of that investigation, and they need to contact the local investigators for that. Did you say that you encouraged Tracy to tell law enforcement her theories on this because you felt like they were in line with what the reality could really be? Is that what you meant? Well, from listening to the podcast, the way she described her mother and how she went missing it, you know, an individual reports her two weeks later and uh, 
to individuals, just reporting someone two weeks later needs to be looked at. Why was it done mm -hmm. that way? That's important. Why would somebody wait two weeks to report somebody missing that they live with? So yeah. these are angles that need to be looked at. I'm sure they were looked at back in 2011, but um, you know, it is cold case now and cold cases are hard to solve. They, they really are. They're all cold cases that are solved, but sometimes it's not the results people want, but they all solve down the line. And uh, this, this could be an example of one of those that gets you know solved. They take time. Not every cold case gets solved, but enough do where there are people out there looking into them like we're doing at this moment. So, you know, these family members need to be helped with these situations. They can't be forgotten. You know, years ago, a cold case was a cold case that sat in a corner on a dusty file. Now we have social media and we have pictures that stay forever and, you know, interviews that stay forever. And things don't get lost anymore. And uh, 2011 is not ancient history. And I think this is a pretty clear question or it'll have a clear answer, Tracy. What will it mean? So I guess I'll make it into two questions. What will it mean for you if any resolution does come of this? And if there is resolution, would you, because you've done such a great job advocating for your mom, would you want to parlay that into advocating for other family members or other people with missing family members? That's what I feel like I'm meant to do is to advocate for my mom. But if I can advocate for anybody else, you know, even if I can just give somebody a little bit of advice on, you know, like, who should you call or what should you do? You know, even if it's something small like that and I can help in any way, like I'm more than happy to do that. Like, and yeah, if there was any way that I could work with people to help with anything, like I would love to do that too, because I feel like this is something that I really like am passionate about. And, you know, I, if I can bring justice to my mom, then like, I know that maybe I would feel confident enough to feel like I could help do it for somebody else too. Maybe even if it's just me talking about them on TikTok or something like that, you know I mean? But yeah, if there was anything, I would do anything, honestly, to try and help anybody. Well, private investigations for the missing, we are always looking for researchers to help with uh, missing person cases. So let us know if you're interested in that because we would find those services very valuable. Yeah, no, for sure. I can do that. Great. We'll talk offline about it. <laughs> okay, cool. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Uh, is there anything else that um, you'd like to say here tonight about the case or, or anything? I just don't want someone to hear my story and automatically hear that I was taken from my mom and I was put in foster care and I was adopted and she struggled with this and she struggled that I don't want anybody to look at that and automatically put her into a box and say, she doesn't deserve to be found. Or she did this. I get questioned all the time. Your mom may have been so horrible to you when you were a child. Why do you even care? Why are you even looking for her? And all I can tell anybody is that she's my mama. And if that was me, I would hope that somebody would be looking for me, especially my kids. You know, like at the end of the day, she's still on my mama. Like, and that's just the only thing I can say. That's a great answer and way to be very diplomatic in your uh, response to people who ask you that because uh, that, that shows uh, some pretty significant patience. I try. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> like, what kind of person would say that? You know what I mean? Like, what, what is, okay, I'll, I'm going to mute myself. Do you hear the craziest stuff? I, probably, I could probably write a book about the stuff that I've heard. You have to ignore those people. They they're out there, and I unfortunately people attach themselves to these things, and they shouldn't be attaching themselves to these things, but they do. But if they're ignored, they'll go away. For every 
person who has a comment to what Tracy said, there are many others who do not feel that way. And maybe they don't get their voice out there, but there are a lot of people and there are a lot of retired law enforcement like myself who feel anybody who goes missing needs to be investigated no matter what their circumstances were. Because very, and I've said this on other podcasts, very few of the missings have a clean slate and they just disappear into thin air. People have a past. And unfortunately, sometimes that past puts them in the path of going missing. But still, that needs to be investigated because these missings are a crime. Unless it's a suicide, that missing is a crime and it needs to be investigated. Results need to come or at least attempted. Now, that's why I, I help others out with this. What I'm doing now is because it seemed that Tracy didn't get much help over time. It's not fair to her that uh, people kind of ignored this over the years. And just helping her on this case, I think, is a step in the right direction. And thank you. I really appreciate it, honestly. Like everybody that's speaking to me or listening or anything, I really appreciate everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.